Awesome. Well, we're so grateful to have Caleb Hires with us to talk about his new book, Pull Don't Push, which is a, a practical guide to look through the leadership of Christ and how we can apply his leadership attributes to our own lives and become better witnesses for the kingdom of, of God. He's also the senior leader of The Resting Place, and they have three campuses, and they're doing such a great work for the kingdom of God. Every time I run into Caleb, I'm so encouraged, I'm so inspired, and really thankful to just have some time with them today to talk about this amazing book and learn more about Christ-like leadership. Amen. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you, your ministry, everything you're doing, bro. You're always so encouraging and full of Jesus. So I like people full of Jesus. <laughs> I like all people, but really like people full of Jesus. I, I, I definitely agree with that. And, and also, even on a side note, so thankful for you continuing to spearhead to gather with all the, the, the leaders in the Hillsborough County. Uh, mm -hmm. I know our body's always so thankful to partake and definitely going to be jumping in again this year with that. It's such an honor. It's special. It's special. It really is. And it, I mean, running with guys like Gio Munoz and Chuck Ammons, just all the, the heart level just sold out to the Lord leaders that exist in the Tampa Bay region. It, it's inspiring and it's, it's unique. So thankful to be a part of it and yeah i'm grateful geo called me and asked if i would do this crazy thing and here we are now so <laughs> yeah and i mean this past year was just it was phenomenal on so many levels and i know it's only going to get better and yeah. really we're just we're just thankful that the lord chose this region to allow that to be an expression so it's really exciting but thank you for even just your your heart towards that to continue to get that rolling so yeah. but when it does come to this book pull don't push we're going to make sure we have the link in the description below so that people can make sure they get their hands on this because my heart was really um drawn to this when i when i heard about it and i i really loved your your previous book too i heard you minister on it a few times and that was the uh it was unity in the church mm -hmm. I, and what was the title of that again common unity yeah common unity yeah i and i, I heard you minister on that a few times breaking down the the, tw the 12 tribes of israel as a way for us to kind of look at the expressions and character which is so good but when it comes to pull don't push i've really been drawn to this and just wanted to ask a few questions because i i really believe the state of the church right now is in such i mean especially with everything that's going on in israel and just things that are even happening in just western civilization church uh leadership there's always there's always something that's going to cause our hearts to um be shaken and the and mm -hmm. the bible says that everything that will be shaken will be shaken and having strong leadership that looks like christ and looks like what god would have is so important so uh, my first question with this book is what compelled you to write this book yeah i i appreciate the question because the origin of it really was just an attempt to equip my own leaders at the resting place church and we we did a series of Zoom calls where I just got every leader we had and we just started entreating them to, to lead like Jesus. Not that they weren't, but just trying to exhort them and encourage them to filter their leadership through the greatest leader ever. And obviously that, that sounds like a very simple thing, but if you actually look at the way Jesus led, it's still very countercultural. It wasn't just countercultural in his day. It's countercultural in our Western church day. It, yeah. it is. And it really stemmed from 
this, this very famous passage, Matthew 20, where Jesus said the rulers of the Gentiles, they, you know, they rule from the top down, but they rule over those that they lead. And that rule over word in the Greek is literally the word from the top. They rule from the top, mm. those they lead. And some translations even say like tyrants, like they're dominating. But the idea is top down leadership. And Jesus said, it will not be that way with you. Mm. And I'm just like, um, it is that way with many of us, you know. That's and true. so the problem there is is glaringly obvious to me that much of the church is structured in an antichrist paradigm, mm. which is opposite Christ. Like, I'm not calling church leaders the antichrist. I'm saying the spirit of antichrist is opposite whatever Christ said, whatever Christ is, the anointing, opposite Jesus, right? So. Wow. That's an oversimplification. I know that, and I might get in trouble for that. But the reality is, anytime you go opposite Jesus, I think you're in the wrong spirit. And so much of our leadership is structured. You got the guy at the top, and then the, the two or three right there underneath, and then, you know, the pyramid, you know. And yeah. I'm not trying to be offensive. It happens by accident, apparently. Um, but I want I want the church to take a hard look at herself and say, are we structuring are we designing, are we posturing in a way that is Christ-like from the bottom up? And so it started with an, an exhortation of our leaders at, at the resting place from the beginning. I've said things like, you know, relationship is the vehicle for, vehicle for discipleship. You can't disciple someone you have no relationship with. You know, mm. you cannot correct someone you don't connect with. Like, it's just not the way to go. That's that's that top down boss thing. But we and we've always endeavored to fight for the bottom, that leadership at the resting place is fighting for the bottom. And so this book really is an attempt to put into practical words ways that people can step into Christ like paradigms in their leadership. Very practical ways. And I use the resting place as the as the backdrop because it's just it's worked and it's you know, it's it's Christ-like and, and not in perfection in any way, shape or form, had <laughs> lots of problems. Um, but the attempt itself is at least starting from the right foot. And so the idea of pull, don't push really came from that leadership training. And as I was teaching it, uh, the feedback from the leadership was like, you need to say more about this. And we're not the only ones who need to hear this. And I felt the Lord say, yeah, this is for the capital C church, not just for your little church, Caleb, it's, it's a call back really to the original design of the greatest leader ever. So that's really what inspired it. And the whole moniker, you know, pull, don't push is, is come, comes from the fact that Jesus said, follow me before he ever said, go into all the earth. Mm. He said, follow before he said, go. And we put it the other way. We say, go. And that means you're following me. Uh, but Jesus said, follow. And then those that he, that followed, he said, okay, now you can go because you followed. So wow. pulling people into their destiny, pulling people into their, their character that God has ordained for them, pulling them into their greatest and highest capacity as a human and a human uh, filled with God, right? Pulling them into that uh, instead of pushing them out the door and saying, just go, just go do the thing, you know what I mean? And report back to me. And Jesus did send them out you know, two by two, and then the Great Commission, obviously. But he didn't start there. He started with follow before he said go. So that's the idea of pull, don't push. And nobody likes a pushy leader anyway. So. 
Wow, that's great biblical framework. Like I really love where you're going with that in a sense of the the follow into the into the go is such a beautiful illustration that is the biblical framework of how Jesus led and and I totally relate to you in in the sense of understanding that I know that even in our in our in our small growth our small tenure over the past couple of years with Gold Street Garden that the I was sharing that the Lord has really helped us in a sense of like some of the things where we're at right now, when we first started in my mind, I might've even deemed it a failure, but it's actually the Lord has humbled us in a journey to, to learn to, to serve in, yes. in a way that I, I would have never imagined before because sometimes leaders just might think that they've done their time. And now it's like, time instead of realizing you just go lower and lower and lower but it's there's a joy in that and uh, i love how you're 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 bringing that to life you know leaders leadership's a topic that's tackled a lot by many they think they have like a a fresh insight or maybe even an undervalued aspect of it what do you believe is one of the the things that makes this book different than a lot of other leadership attempts yeah i the it's a, uh, I'm going to have a unique answer to this because I totally feel completely unqualified to write this book. I'm like, I mean, our church is only five years old. I, I'm, I'm, I have great leaders in my life that are way more qualified to write something like this. And, and also, you know, the, the truth that there's nothing new under the sun. And so it's like, some of this seems so simple, like practical, you know, but, but simple, like, duh. And yet, if you stack it up against what we actually do, the actions of the church, it's maybe not so simple or maybe it's just largely ignored. So the differentiator for me uh, is is not super clear in in its in its content, except for the practical hmm. nature of it. So one of my spiritual um, mentors becoming like a spiritual father is Joseph Matera. And he endorsed the book saying, you know, this is this these insights are the uh, can only come from an apostolic practitioner, someone who's thinking apostolically and in the in the weeds with people like practicing it. Right. And so for me, I believe that it really is a it's an approachable and practical uh, guideline, right? A guidebook to Christ like leadership, because we say it right. We say, oh, serve in leadership. We need servant leadership. Okay, what does that mean? Does that mean the pastor should also clean the toilets? Does that mean, you know what I mean? If you uh, serve on the worship team, you should also serve in kids. Does that mean you stop for every single homeless person you see on the side of the street? What does that exactly mean? Like, because that's the end of that passage, right? You know, you should not rule from the top down, but the greatest among you will become the greatest servant, right? And so that's greatness in the kingdom is serving. But what does that mean in a practical, you know, context? And so what sets it apart is, you know, maybe there's leaders out there who are trying to answer that question for themselves. What does it mean to practically serve those that I'm leading? Well, you got to be empowering. You got to have vision. You know what I mean? You got to have endurance. You got to, you know, lead. You got to have a I'm going no matter what mentality. These are kind of these are the chapter headings, you know, that I'm going through. So these these are practical things that, um, you know, a leader that pulls is a leader that lasts. Right. Just the just the element of consistency, just staying in the fight, 
is serving your people. You know, I think that that's the differentiator and that it makes it very practical from someone who's doing it. You know what I mean? I'm not, I've not accomplished, you know, I'm not, I'm not in my own mind. Like if I'm, I hope I'm making sense. I'm not like arrived somewhere. I'm in the fight with, (laughs) you know, the people that would be reading this book. And like, I'm, I'm struggling to apply the model of Jesus into my, my format in my context right now. And so the insights come from the battlefield and it's not that the others don't, uh, but sometimes I read leadership books. I have read a lot of them and they feel a little detached to me uh, from the real world applications, like their stories, but it feels detached. I'm just, I'm, I'm writing from the foxhole. You know what I mean? Like, uh, saying, this is working. <laughs> it's kind of like, that's the differentiator for me. And I mean, that's not why I wrote it. Like I said, I, it just became, a, it was a training of my leaders and then the Lord breathed on it. And it just kind of came out of that organically. But um, I think that that's one of the things that sets it apart. How to actually be a servant leader who leads from the bottom up. Because I believe Christ-like overseers see from underneath. They're better foot washers. They get down low and each one washes feet in their own unique way. Mm. And so getting that into from the ethereal theological to the practical, I've found um, to be, I haven't had a lot of how to's on that. And this is that attempt to fill in some of those gaps of things that are working. Like I said, from the foxhole. (laughs) I love that analogy. That's amazing. Yeah. I think, like when I'm here in your heart and everything you've even brought context to so far, that's that's what what I'm, what I'm really hearing is you even said it earlier that I love is it's 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 almost like once again nothing new under the sun, but it's a call back to mm-hmm. the simplicity of of Christ's leadership and just almost taking a fresh glimpse of making sure we haven't made it more complicated or made it counter what he originally said just because of culture and that in itself is is worth the that's worth the admission that's worth what it is so i i really i i'm excited about just that breath of fresh air being breathed upon the people that read this and if i can just add that to that like even for the listeners right now even if you don't read the book or get it or whatever it's i just want to offer now like listen empowerment is messy that's one of the main concepts i start with like one of my favorite proverbs is the one that says i think it's proverbs 14 i don't know the address right offhand but it says where there are no oxen the stable is clean yes but much harvest is brought by the strength of the ox yes you want to hear the caleb translation <laughs> you want to hear the caleb translation go for it if you want to harvest you got some holy crap to deal with all right <laughs> uh, the reality oh, yeah. is there's gonna be you're going to step in some stuff. People are going to make mistakes. It is messy. Empowerment is messy. And that's why a lot of people don't really go full out into empowerment. But the bold empowerment of Jesus, like look at the guys he chose to lead (laughs) this movement. I mean, seriously, no one listening would hire these dudes for their church staff. No one. All right. Not, Not a single one of us in our natural selves, right? It would have to be the Lord, right? And so, I mean, not even just Judas, like just put Judas aside, the betrayer, like, and that's a part of it. Like betrayals will come. If you look to empower people, you will be betrayed. So it's not a maybe, it's a win. It's going to happen. Okay. But just look at like Peter, 
three years with Jesus and he's still trying to cut people's heads off. You know what I mean? He's at, in the garden, you know, and uh, that's a, that's a short sword. So he swinging like this for somebody's ear actually doesn't make practical sense. Going like this to stab somebody in the throat is the way that thing would go, that sword. So the way I see that passage is Peter literally goes to stab this guy right in the face or the throat and he ducks and the ear gets scared, you know? So that guy walked with Jesus in the flesh for three years <laughs> and he's still doing that. And we're like, oh man, uh, what are your qualifications for church ministry? Um, uh, what, how do you handle conflict? You know, how do you, and of course, we have to ask these questions and it's good stewardship. I'm not saying throw the baby out with the bathwater here. I'm saying, what is the filter for oh, who man. is called? What is the filter for how we lead, for who we choose we're going to lead? Is it God placed or is it synthetically, you know, produced through seminary and all these other things like i'm not against seminary i'm just saying we have a lot you said it we have a lot of things that become our filters and our guidelines that are not anywhere nowhere in the methodology of jesus it's he got away he heard from the father he prayed all night and he chose those that the father showed him right wow. and it's from the father right and he just and he led those that were around and he loved them and he empowered them. And that is messy, man. Empowerment is messy. The way I define empowerment is to put strength and confidence inside of someone for their God ordained destination, their destiny, right? So to put strength and confidence on the inside so that they can get where God has called them to go. And that doesn't always benefit you directly there. You know, we, at the rest place, just in our own context, we've sent out people to plant other ministries. We've sent out marketplace apostles we've sent out people we've been we've they received from us and we empower them and then we don't have a direct benefit from them and that's beautiful because the kingdom is advancing even if our little local church isn't advancing in the natural due to the investment right so some people empower to see what they'll get out of it mm -hmm. but christ-like leaders empower to see people get into their destiny into wow. their calling not so what i get out of it but so that you can get into what god has called you to do and you know, again, it's a holy mess, not just sometimes, pretty much all the time, if you're doing that, it right. <laughs> so, and no, it's so refreshing to hear. And I love when you're giving the example of the disciples, because I, I really believe that that's like such a, I, speaking of an undervalued as, aspect, I really believe that just really examining the choices of the disciples and like even the simple one that always resonates with me, like you were saying, other than Judas, you have Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax collector, like two people that were, they were programmed to hate each other and everything that they, but, but it's like Jesus purposefully picked people that weren't compatible so that he would teach them how to serve and love one another. Yes. And then that would be the answer to John 17 that the world would see. And in John four, or 13, when he yep. says that they will know that you're my disciples through your love, it's not just the, it's not like you were saying before, it's not just a practice because that was the Pharisees. The Pharisees were able to practically show righteous behavior and righteous yep. action, but it was when their hearts got attached to why they were doing the righteous things, which why I think I believe in Romans too, it says the Gentiles started 
showing works of the law written on their hearts without fully knowing the law. Right. And it's this, this whole concept that when God's, when, when God writes by the spirit on our hearts, he's going to write the, the greatest personality and nature and character upon your heart. And the greatest, the greatest person of all is a servant. Right. That's and, right. And just seeing that is, is, is precious. If we could grab a hold of that. Yeah. And even looking, I think that surveying of the disciples is so brilliant, but, and looking at even deeper things like their personalities, like look at Peter, James, and John, right? Peter, the, the, the hot one, right? Loud mouth. He's, he's, <laughs> yeah. but honestly, Peter gets a bad rap because he really just was the spokesman. They just knew Peter would say what they were all thinking. Right? <laughs> yeah, he was that guy. <laughs> he would just he was that guy. He would just say it. Um, I'm kind of like that guy. Anyway, um, <laughs> just say what everybody's thinking and the consequences are what they are. But uh, and then you got J James, right? Like scholarly, clean, you know, good heritage, stable, steady Eddie, right? Yeah. You know, just straight and narrow. You know what you're going to get. He's a straight shooter, kind of like the lawyer type feel, just like, you know, but good hearted. Right. And then you got John, the beloved, who's just an emotional feeler and just, you know, he's the whole world is in vivid color. And, you know, Peter, James and John. And those were the ones that he was Titus with. Yeah. Right. Those guys getting along is a miracle <laughs> in and of itself. Yeah. Right. And Jesus chose to pull them close. Right. And so. That's part of the idea of pull, don't push. Before you pull people into their destiny, you got to pull them into your heart, right? Pull them close. That's you so can't good. empower from far off. Mm. Like I don't empower from the pulpit nearly as well as I empower from the pit, right? From the the gritty life. Like we're in this together. We've been through it hard times. I'm going to pull you into my heart. I'm, I'm going to be in your life with you, right? And so pulling people close, uh, that's what I see Jesus doing with Peter. Like Peter was hot hothead right what did he do he didn't push him out like we we like go get your character in order so that you can get close to me no he pulled him close so that he could get his character in order he pulled him closer he brought him into greater levels of leadership you know and so jesus did this all the time you know he empowered people that none of us would he empowered them in ways none of us would even think of think about the guy with the legion of demons he sends him to the decapolis just because the only training he has is he put a shirt on, right? He, he has clothes on now. Oh, he's qualified to preach. You know, in the Decapolis, the 10 cities, the, it's like the hub of, of culture at that time. He, no ministry training, right? I'm not against ministry training. No ministry school. I run one. I'm not against it, right? No discipleship other than just go tell people what I did for you. Like, that's spirit-led leadership to know when to send someone and when to pull them close, right? Yeah. So that's pulling people into their destiny. It's this this essence of the of the book. That's the concept. But it's that empowering people that no one else would. It's putting people together, like you mentioned, that others would not pair up, right? Like no one would make that team out of those people, right? <laughs> a zealot and a tax collector, like no way. Right. Like that is not going to work, Jesus. Right. Like bad choices. No, but they're the father's choices. And so they're the right ones. And yeah, it's going to look messy. I mean, what would Jesus's reputation be today if he hired an, a, a thief to be the treasurer of the church? Right. 
I mean, Judas <laughs> was stealing. You think Jesus didn't know? Judas was stealing from uh, Jesus knew. And he, how many of us would hire like an ex-con to be our treasurer? I mean, hopefully some of us, if the Lord said so, wow. if the father said so, hopefully some of us, right? Because our reputation isn't leading. Our, our formats aren't leading. The father is leading and we're wow. being pulled into Christ-like leadership by the father's voice, by the father's leading. So anyway, no, so, it's, you know, no, that's awesome. That was a, that was, that needed more breath and needed more room. I love that. What about Jesus's leadership has transformed the way you lead the most? Like if you had to, if you had to pick one of the, the most treasured attributes of his leadership that's impacted you, what would that be? It would be the way he loved those he knew would leave him. Mm. That, that for me, I'm living that out, honestly, over the last six months in a very real way. Mm. But just thinking about like John 13, like you mentioned, Jesus I believe this is one of the most radical statements in the New Testament. It says in John 13, Jesus, knowing that he came from the Father and that all things were put under him, under his authority, arose from supper, tied a towel around his waist, mm -hmm. and washed his disciples' feet. First of all, Judas is in the room. And it had said before that, that Satan had already entered his heart to betray. So like, that's that ship has sailed. And I believe Jesus knew. I I believe he knew his betrayer was in the room at that point, because it says in that same passage, Satan had already entered, you know, and Jesus probably had the gift of discernment. Um, just saying. Um, so I would, I would concur. <laughs> I, would, I would think so. So he's there and still he didn't skip Judas. He he washed his betrayer's feet knowing that he would betray him. Now, we don't all have that insight. I, I, I don't know if I've ever met someone who would say, oh, yeah, I knew they would betray me and they were my closest friend. Like, mm -hmm. but um, So most of the time, it's probably a shock to us, but it wasn't a shock to him. So that idea of loving and serving those he knew would leave him and the, the one he knew would betray him, it still impacted me. I mean, I, I don't, I, my mind has a hard time getting there, right? Yeah. Like stepping into that and not just Judas, but you know, all of them and the disciples, they all scattered. They all ran. They all ran for the hills. Like John made it back, you know, to his trial and, and the cross and everything. But John ran too. Yeah. Right. Like they all ran um, in the garden. So like, I, I just, knowing they would leave him, he loved them to the end. And on his last night on earth, he didn't go through the highlight reel of his accomplishments. He didn't go through and say, it says that he longed to show them the full measure of his love. It says he loved them to the very end and he longed to show them the full measure of his love. I mean, how many of us at the end of our ministry careers would want to make sure we poured out every ounce of love we had on our leaders. I think most of us would want to be loved, would want to receive it, would want to have the banquet 
And I'm not against it. Like honor those who labor among you for your spiritual well-being. They deserve double honor. Amen. So don't hear what I'm not saying. Yeah. I'm saying he didn't posture to receive gratitude or love or thanksgiving or or credit even. He, he postured to give every ounce of love he had. And it was for those who would leave him and betray him. And for me, I like I said, it's still impacting me. I want to lead like that. I want to I want to live like that. I want to end like that. I want to I want that to be my story because I want to follow Jesus. So I'm praying he pulls me into that level of love, you know, and that level of leadership because again, how do you run to the feet of your betrayer with a towel? Mm. Knowing it was coming. So how many leaders are rushing to the feet of their betrayers with a towel and a bowl. Oh, I don't know. I've made my best attempts. I'm not said I've done it. I'm not saying I've done it well or perfectly. I'm saying I've made an attempt at this and it is painful and it is beautiful. And it's just, there's an aroma to it. The pleasure of the father over it. Like I'm, I'm my, my, I'm literally shaking right now. My body is shaking because like I said, I'm living through this right now and I don't know how to do it, but I know that it's right. And I know that I want to, right. Mm. So that's the most impactful thing about the leadership of Jesus. In my opinion, I think if we could just grapple with that for the next 60 years, we'd be fine. Wow. <laughs> that is a, that is definitely a pinnacle answer to that question. Cause I, I'm, there's no way you we read that passage, we read that in context and aren't daily challenged by it. There's there's just it's just a fresh way of really gathering that all together. And I love how you 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 bring that up about that in Jesus's final moments of his tenure on the earth, that he's looking for more ways he can pour himself out, knowing fully well who he is, knowing all that knowing just how shallow their interpretation of him is yes <laughs> he yes. is willing to continue to pour himself out in a way to first build them up so that they're able to 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 walk and that's where we get what we were talking about before john 13 34 through 35 this is i give you a new commandment you know that you would yeah. love one another the way that i've loved you which shows this the whole pull don't push that he he easily could have pushed in that moment and been like, "Listen, y'all, like yeah. <laughs> it's it's been enough time here. It's time right. for you all to really get it." But he he used a that final his final moments as an exclamation point to to true servanthood, and yeah. and he wasn't just. I, I think sometimes, and this is a mistake I make, so I'm I'm re, I'm repenting that. A lot of times we think Jesus sometimes just came to show us an example of of servanthood, and th there's there's truth to that, but that's that's a shallow answer or a shallow interpretation, as we're saying. He he didn't just come to sh to to show us an example of servanthood. He came to show us he is a servant. Like there there's a huge difference in that. And the one thing you said earlier that hit me so hard. It's actually I I. This was something that we had a men's group recently and it just kind of came out as we were talking but there there are so many people that want to be loved but few that are willing to become it and it's this whole 
idea that you were saying that there's so many people that want to feel appreciated and want to feel and and there's a time for that but it, we should not that should not be the incentive for right. any of our our serving and if we could really get first corinthians 13 down like and and see what love truly is yeah. all of a sudden we realize oh oh this is what love looks like this is the this is the heart that needs to be attached to this type of of leading yeah. then then all of a sudden you realize without the holy spirit um there's no way it's it's a suicide mission on your on your own strength so absolutely and that's you know love this is the one people don't like to quote but love suffers long <laughs> oh, no. love suffers long you want to know what it means to love somebody it means to suffer yeah, yeah. <laughs> it means to suffer yeah. i know right it's like sign me up for that conference the long suffering conference like that's the conference i want to go to no nobody wants to say it but that's the truth and it's the attitude of christ and in fact i just um on the video you can see it it's a tattoo it's the first tattoo i ever had hopefully your viewers are not offended by tattoos <laughs> uh, but if they are too late um too late. The, <laughs> That's Froneo Cristal because that's where I, I gave my life to Jesus when I was eight years old in my Southern Baptist church. But in the summer of, of seventh grade, before eighth grade, I went to a church camp uh, and it was called Froneo Cristal was the name of, or the theme of the camp. And it means the attitude of Christ, mm. Greek terms for attitude of Christ. And that's where I decided to make myself a disciple, a learner, a follower wow. of Jesus. So I was, I had salvation, but I wasn't you know, pursuing and, and it was like a rededication moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that I tattooed it on myself because I'm a guitar player. We talked about it a little bit offline, but like I was playing guitar like six hours a day at the point. I wanted it in my peripheral vision all the time. I talk about this in the book. Like I, I wanted this in front of me all the time because my spirit knew something that my head didn't was that, you know, you reproduce what you behold. And I wanted yeah. it in front of me so that I can be continually reminded, hey, you're supposed to have the attitude of Christ. And that's from Philippians 2, 5 through, I think, 11. It says that each yes. one of you should have the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus, who, though equal with God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but rather took on the likeness of a servant. Yes. Becoming obedient, even to the point of death on a cross. And therefore, God has exalted him above every name that is to be named in this age and the one to come. So that marking moment for me back summer of seventh grade before eighth grade i'm still trying to lead from that place and trying to be that person with the attitude of christ and it wasn't um to get you know leadership i never wanted to start my church that, that's another conversation i i fought this thing i i just wanted to be a worship leader author traveling musician like i didn't want to actually you know deal with you know um <clears throat> people i wanted to just you know <laughs> go around and do my thing you know so i the lord had to had to pull me into this right and i'm so grateful he did because it's a joy of my life now even though it's also the most hurtful and painful thing i've ever done because the truth is jesus suffered to the point of death on the cross to show us he is a servant. Like you said, he's not exemplifying servanthood. He is the essence of servanthood. Yes. Though so equal with God, do not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Mm. Ah, that phrase has been ringing in my ear since seventh grade, you know, wow. and that's where I'm trying my 
heart level best, empowered by the spirit of God to do it because you nailed it, bro. Without the Holy Ghost. Oh my Lord. I there's there's no way to lead like Jesus without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And that's a good thing because yes. You could take Jesus principles and try to apply them. But until you have the spirit of Christ in you, you will not be walking in them. It's just mm. facts. You can't fake this stuff. Okay. You can fake platform ministry. You can fake teaching. You can fake position. You can fake all that. You cannot fake long suffering love. So it, true. It isn't. And it's empowered by the spirit or it's not. And so it's a main tell. That's how I end the book. I talk about, it's a very brief section, but I just charge every reader, like, listen, grapple with this and step into the attitude of Christ, have the Froneo Cristal, you know, like walk in this and you're going to see fruit and you're going to see betrayal and you're going to see the kingdom come and it's going to be hurtful and you're going to see light and you're going to have harvest, but you're going to have a mess and it's all good because it's the ordained chemistry of leadership when you step into it from the perspective of christ it is what helps you grow in favor with god and with men and if jesus had to grow in favor with god and men i think you and i have some some growing to do as well so good no that's so and and let, let's hit on it why you just brought it up if, if what what has been one of the hardest lessons you've learned in the foxhole <laughs> as as leading and i know this once again i know some of these might overlap yeah. but i i just love putting the the context on a on a question absolutely the hardest lesson is that what i, I mentioned leading those who leave you mm -hmm. um and leading those who will betray you i'm learning the lesson now i'm learning it and i'm not learned it i'm learning it and loving you know <laughs> we <laughs> this might sound really harsh and I don't mean it to sound harsh, but the Bible says, love your enemies, right? Bless yeah. those who curse you. Mm -hmm. We all think that's most of the time going to be the world. We all think that's going to be some person picketing outside of our ministry or some person with a sign or talking bad about you on Facebook or whatever, you know, I have found the majority of the time, those are close, the people closest to you that become those who curse you, they become not that they're truly your enemy, but they become you get enmity between. Yeah. And sometimes that's your fault, right? Sometimes that's been my fault. Other times it's just not been my fault. Uh, and the truth is learning to bless those who curse you, knowing that those who curse you are those who have been closest to you. That is the hardest lesson. And I'm learning it now. And praise God. I mean, I'm 34 years old. Let me learn it quickly, Lord, because mm -hmm. I want to be in this thing for the long game. I plan to, to spread the aroma of Christ everywhere until I shed my earthly tent, you know, or he returns. It's, it's two options for me. Jesus, either you come back or I graduate into the cloud. But until that moment, I'm here to proclaim him and him alone. And so doing that in a real way requires this reality that oh it's gonna hurt <laughs> it's yeah. gonna hurt and those who curse you are not always going to be i don't want to like sound so doom and gloom but they're not always going to be those who are out there you know like i affectionately call them uh, my frenemies on facebook you know the theology the theology police 
who write me every Sunday, you know, to my Facebook inbox. Hi, how you doing? I see you. <laughs> anyway, they're always correcting my theology and stuff. And, you know, I used to think that's all it was, right? That's all it would be. And I was like, ah, bless them, Lord, bless them, bless them. And then I had to learn to bless those who were closest that are no longer close, who are cursing me. And that is just oof, mm. not okay. Uh, like it's not easy is what I mean. And that's the hardest lesson if I had to answer you totally honestly. And I'm mm. learning it. I'm still no, thank you. Thank you for your candidness. And uh, I, I totally can, I can, I, I, I concur a hundred percent. I know my wife and I, that, that leading when you, when you pour your heart into people with, with everything, the, the best, you know, how to, and, and all of a sudden there's a swirl, there's something that you just don't have, have, you, you can't even diagnose it. It's just something has, something has changed in in a, in a person or in a personality. And all, all we can lean on is you can try to bring reconciliation because that's what we want to do. We can try yes. to go Matthew 18 and, and bring all these things. But then at some point there, there's, there's this posture, there's this decision that we have to make in our heart that, oh man, like I, I, I just have to love in this, in this situation. And it's the, the hardest thing because we're, we're held to a, a standard of love and forgiveness that it's not up to, it's not up to what we deem we deserve or what we right. deem it, it's up that, that we've been commanded to forgive and commanded to love and bless that in doing that, that we're going to actually be able to taste the character of God in a way we previously weren't able to, because he was betrayed. He was, and it's like, he's inviting us into his suffering and as difficult of a sermon illustration it is, it's, it's a reality that, that Lord have mercy yes. in, in that. So, yeah. Uh, and I, one other thing on that, if, if it's okay, I have oh, a, yeah, yeah. just, I had this moment where, um, one, one time of, one time of painful betrayal and, you know, somebody did something to me that, and that just, you know, again, a lot of times I cause things. I'm, I'm a human. I make mistakes and I bumble through life a lot of times not knowing like, Oh, I hurt you. I have no idea. You know, yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. I'm not blaming anyone else. I'm, I first look inside and say, Lord, search me and know me. See if yeah, there's any 100%. way self inventory that, that has to happen first. Um, I, I believe you, you teach what you know, you reproduce who you are. I talk about this in the book. So if something's happening in my leadership team, I go, where is that in me? Mm. Where did I cause that? Because I'm reproducing it. Maybe, you know, they might've brought it in, but the question is, did I reproduce that? I mean, is it, did it start here? So um, anyway, that's my first go-to. And this, there was a situation a little while back where I had this hurtful moment with, with one of uh, someone I was leading and I called my pastor. I have amazing pastors. I have one that's uh, pastored me for 15 years. Uh, it's just get yourself a pastor who will stay with you for 15 years, man. It's mm, prayed yeah. for you for 15 years. That man prays for me. Anyway, um, and I called one of them. I have multiple. Thank God. That's a gift. And you know what he said to me? He said, this person, Caleb, has given you a great gift. You get to love them the way Jesus has loved you. Mm. 
you turned your back on the Lord. You've yes. betrayed the wow. Father. You have hurt his heart. You have done the opposite of, said, of what you said you would do towards the Lord many times. And it wasn't like a, a condemnation word at all. He just was saying facts, just truth. Yeah. You know? And he goes, and Jesus loved you mm. perfectly. Yeah. And he invited you and he cared for you and he confronted you and you get the opportunity to love them the way Jesus has loved you. And whoo, it was like what I needed to hear extremely helpful and also not what I wanted to hear. <laughs> right? It was exactly what I needed. And I think many of us, I don't know, man, I, I hope the book can help some leaders even break through some disillusionment. Maybe if there's up and coming leaders or leaders in, in other ministries, things like that, that can just say, okay, if this is what it's like, maybe I, you know, I count the costs a little bit more because I think a lot of us with anointing, with calling, run into it ignorantly and we could be better prepared uh, by really looking at Jesus. And I mean, if Jesus had Jesus, the greatest leader ever had one out of 12 betray him and every single one of them leave him at some point, I think we, we should not expect for much more than that. You know, and I think a lot of times we start these these ministries or people. I just I started with a, a little bit of naivety myself. So I just feel like maybe if this can sober up a few people, it would be good for them. And it would be good to, um, you know, leverage the pain of somebody else, you know, so that you don't get tossed by it. So anyway, no, that's so and I, it's so so needed i i i'm so blessed by this conversation today because it, it just always re-establishing the, the the biblical paradigm that we need is it's gonna save us from so much frustration or so much confusion that when the storm comes we're, we're built upon the solid rock That's so it. that way it, it doesn't say that the storms may come that it says when they come but it's right. just about if you're established on the word, it'll, it'll lessen. It, 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 it's not that you won't experience it. It'll just lessen the, the impact that it has on you, where you're headed, where, where God has you. And it's not about being Superman and not feeling the, you know, the pain and what, what's happening. It's right. just having, having that framework, having that hard posture. And that's why Jesus said, I, I, I tell you these things that you will have peace because yeah. <laughs> it's you're going to have the tribulations, yeah. but take heart. I've overcome the world. Like it's, right. it's, it's a promise. <laughs> yeah. I say so, that to our leaders all the time. I say, you want all the promises of God? What about the promise of trouble? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and you just answered it, but I just wanted to uh, give you this final, I would, this is the final thing I would ask is just, I believe you did just answer it, but just giving the, the final, um, segue in a sense of what do you what is the main imprint that you want on to mark the readers of this book yeah i would want them to make jesus their prototype and to have a healthy uh the comparison word is difficult but a healthy 
paradigm, right? I want the, the reader to judge themselves and their leadership health according to the way Jesus did it. I think a lot of times we're judging according to the wrong things. We're our measuring sticks are, you know, other metrics. I'll just put it that way, you know. And I had a friend, his name's Andrew Lammy, pastors out of Orlando. Love that guy. He said to me once, he goes, you know what, Caleb? Uh, not only healthy things grow, right? Tumors grow. So growth is not an indication of health necessarily. Mm. He's like, just because it's growing doesn't make it healthy. So I think our measurement of our leadership, I would so, love every leader to measure the health of their leadership next to the paradigm and the posture, the example of the Prince of Peace, Jesus himself. And I think if we could, I think it would do us a great service if we threw away every other measuring, everything else, and just measured off of the Lord himself and said, that's how Jesus, I mean, what would Jesus do? Let's bring it back to the bracelets. I used to wear a bunch of those, you know what I mean? Like literally in our leadership, what would Jesus do, you know, and actually look at it and have that careful survey of the gospels. I, I encourage le leaders and everyone, any believer to never leave the gospels. Yeah, Stay there, you know, let it be supplementary to all your other readings of scripture because God became a man and showed us how to live. We should stay there, <laughs> focus on that. And so in that same thought, I would I would hope that everyone who reads this book would find Christ as their measuring metric for health in their own leadership. And I want to say that this, this book really is for, you know, people who lead in the church, but it's also for any Christian in any leadership capacity. Yeah. Uh, so it's written from that voice, but it, it's absolutely for business leaders, moms, dads, anybody who has influence over anybody else, I want to, I want to beg them to make Christ their paradigm, to make Jesus their measurement of how healthy their leadership is. And there's even in the back of the book, a, a, a push assessment. It's, it's an assessment of like where you're at, you know, and it goes to the concepts and you can rate yourself That's cool. just so that you have a marking place so that, cause I believe forward progress requires present awareness. You have to know where you are to know that you got anywhere. So it's not to condemn or anything, but you just make a marking moment like, okay, this is where I'm at on these things. And then you go to apply the, the book. And then six months later, you try to you know measure it again, see what you're doing. Cause I believe these are measurable things. I believe that we can evaluate our leadership uh, according to the life of Jesus. And I believe we should. So that's what I hope the imprint will be. That's awesome. I love I love that you do that at the end of the book. That's a great a push assessment. I'm gonna need to take that to make sure. <laughs> so, uh, but you have your leaders take it for you. That'll really tell you. Oh and yeah, that'll make yeah. Make sure there's no biasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that that's a real way to get a thermometer. <laughs> I like that. Um, well, this is what I would let if if you could do us the honors. Uh, would you pray for for us the the, the listeners, anybody that's here that we could embrace uh, Christ-like leadership, begin to mature and to take steps in reevaluating and reestablishing, making sure our hearts are attached to the way Christ desires us to lead. Absolutely. Being honored. So Father, oh, we ask that your spirit would just overwhelm us with your desires for our leadership, that you Lord, whatever, whatever sphere we're in, 
mom, dad, church leader, business leader, manager at work, school teacher, whatever it is, Lord, would you, by the power of your spirit, overwhelm us with your desires for our influence, for our leadership to be from the bottom up. Help us, Lord, through revelation, through wisdom, to discover the treasures of Jesus's leadership so that we can walk in them. Lord, I pray for great inspiration, even from this podcast, that people who have listened to this, that don't even need to read the book or whatever, Lord, just that they would just be inspired to your desires for them. That patience would be the marking of the leadership that holds your name of Christians, of Christians who lead, Lord. They would be the most patient, kind, gentle, that the fruit of your spirit would be seen first in the leaders so that those who follow will be able to step into it as well. So Father, I ask you for great grace, great grace. And Lord, for anyone who's feeling shame or condemnation for their mistakes as a leader, I just say shame off you, shame off you. Lord, thank you for lifting our gaze higher and showing us a better way. And Lord, I am I, grateful that you do not put us to shame. That hope does not put us to shame because the Holy Spirit has been spread abroad in our hearts. So you don't mark it in shame, Lord. You're not using shame to move us. You're not pushing us with shame. You're pulling us with your spirit. And Lord, I thank you for that pull. I thank you for that, that heart leaping reality, God. I just pray it would continue and that there would be intentionality around this moment of inspiration. I just feel like there would be many who listen to this that get inspired. But Lord, I pray that they would perspire as well, not just be inspired, but perspire. They would endure, they would put in the work, that they would be intentional to step into this because it is difficult, nothing easy about it, but it's worth it. So Father, I thank you for that great grace to endure, to perspire where we're inspired, to go where you're calling us to go. And Lord, I bless this podcast. I bless my friend Dom here. I thank you for everything he's doing. And God, I just pray for great abundance on his ministry, great abundance on this, this effort of this podcast. And Lord, I thank you for him and I bless him in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Brother, it's so awesome having you and connecting again. And thank you for, uh, thank you for your obedience in writing this book. And I, I'm really believing it's going to have great, great impact. We'll make sure we have the link in the description below on all of our podcast platforms, but so thankful having you again, Caleb, and look forward to connecting in the near future. Such a privilege, such an honor. Thank you.